I'm excited. We're going to be starting a new series today, and it is going to be awesome. You ready? All right, here we go. So today we're going to be beginning, we're going to be beginning a new series entitled Mending Fences. Mending Fences. Look, in this series, we're going to be doing some serious work to build some fences. We're going to tear down some fences. We're going to rebuild some fences. We're going to repair some fences. We're going to maintain some fences. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Many of you are thinking, I at least, I, I at least heard one person online thinking this. What fences are we talking about? What are we talking about here? Who goes to church to build fences? Well, have you ever considered that we all have fences? We all have fences. Fences that define the boundaries of our lives or lack thereof, right? Let's be honest. Fences that provide access to our lives or deny it, right? Fences that invite others to partake of the good in our lives or hide things that we don't want seen, right? Fences that beautify the landscape of our lives or mar them with their ugliness, right? Fences that are more like battlefront fortresses that raise our defenses and at the same time simultaneously keep us locked within. See, we all have fences. We all have them. Fences that impact the way we relate to the world, that impact the way we relate to God, but they also impact the way we relate to one another, even in the body of Christ. So today I'd like to invite you to lean in with me into a personal and up-close conversation with God. Not with me, with God, because we're going to look to his word. One that's going to uh, open our hearts as we open our hearts, as we make the choice to open our hearts to God's wisdom and we begin to break some ground with this new series. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, my side of the fence. My side of the fence. Everybody say, my side of the fence. Now say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Man, I feel better already because I'm going to challenge you today. Right? We're going to dig into the word. Listen. The Word of God has a way of speaking directly to our hearts, right? Now, I realize that some of you may be squirming upon hearing today's topic because the truth is that it, it, uh, it, it's really uh, going to kind of cause us to look at some things that maybe we don't want to, right? Maybe we don't want to talk about. Maybe we don't want to look at. Maybe we've been ignoring, right? But the truth is this. That examining your side, my side, our side of the fence is important because the condition of your fences indicates if you'll embrace relationship with God. If you'll reject it. Listen, if you'll embrace relationships, period, or reject them, right? If you'll allow God's guidance and power to help you or not. Fences Define if you and I will allow ourselves to step out into an abundant life that Christ has promised us. Or if we remain stuck in the vices of our own doing behind our fences. See, the condition of your fences can help you or hurt you. I'm going to say that again. The condition of your fences can help you or hurt you. We all have boundaries that we create. There are some of us that when it comes to God, we go... God, I worship you up there. 
it might appear that we're raising our hands, worshiping God, but maybe, just maybe, our true approach to God is, God, you just stay up there, and I'll stay right here. Right? We got to think about that, right? Some of us, we have fences where we push people away. Oh, we talk about God bless you, brother, but there's no brotherhood. There's no relationship. There's no connection. We talk about how much we love people, but we, do we truly love them? Do we truly care? Do we truly embrace? See, I know I'm meddling in your business and, I, and you're meddling in mine. This is going to be a tough one, but it's a good one. But I want you to see what God's desire is within our fences. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 122. We're going to start at verse 6. And it starts off by saying this. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, this does not just simply speak about the people of Israel. In context, this applies to all God's people. This is God's desire. And so it starts off by saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Or, let's translate that, pray for the peace of God's people. May, they, may those who love you be secure. Watch this. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. See, God's desire is that we, his people, have walls that surround and keep us according to his peace and security. Not walls that trap us in hurt. It got real quiet up in here. I know, it's a lot louder online. It's all right. See, these verses reveal God's will towards you and I. And so... I have to ask you a question because the word pray here doesn't simply mean to talk to God about your walls, your fences. It literally speaks of an active approach to God where you are not just asking, you're not just inquiring, but you're also seeking it out. How am I supposed to, how's this supposed to work? So do these verses that we just read portray the fences that define the parameters of your life? Are you walking in the peace and security of God or are you striving, struggling, fighting? Are you trying to do it all on your own? See, those fences don't work. Let me give you the converse uh, uh, depiction from the scriptures of walls that are not defined by this condition that God wants us to exist in. Proverbs 24, starting at verse 30, says... I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. Hmm. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. You see, the condition of your fences, the fences you maintain in life determine the state of your life, the boundaries that you set, how you guard your heart and your life, what you allow and what you Deny access to all these things. Define, they determine the state of your life. If you don't like where you are in life, maybe you should start looking at the fences that you hold to. 
Trust me, I'm there too. I'm not exclusive from this process. See, the truth is that I'm, I know for a fact that there is none of us, there is no one here, no person that wakes up and says, today is the day that I bring ruin to my life. We might not think that way, but we might believe that way within, right? We might not even be aware of it. And so it's for that reason that we must look to God for direction so that we might not end up with ruined walls which make way to ruin lives. You know, the scriptures give account of the tragic day when the walls of Jerusalem were breached. The walls of Jerusalem came to destruction. They were left in complete ashes as fires raged all around them. And there's a reason why they found themselves with these tragic results. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, starting at verse 15. It says, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, speaking of the people of Israel, sent word to them through his messengers again and again. Get this picture. God was speaking to them again and again. He was knocking on their heart again and again. He was sending them people again and again. He was revealing his word to them again and again. He was opening their hearts. He was, he was, he was touching in those places that they were going, no, don't go there again and again. Because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. Watch this, but they mocked God's messengers, despised his words. They scoffed at his prophets. In other words, there was a pride there, an arrogance that said, I don't, yeah, God says, but yeah, where's God? If God said, then how come? Watch the hearts of these people. They scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. He brought up uh, against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He, meaning Nebuchadnezzar, carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials, they set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. I want you to get this picture. Their walls are breached and everything in their lives came to destruction. And we have to question why. See, at first glance, it would appear that the state of their walls came to destruction by way of the hands of their enemies, that their walls were left in destruction in the wake of their enemies as they laid siege upon them from all sides. But in reality, what we see it was that it, 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 is that it was their self-inflicted ignorance that led them to their demise. They rejected God. They rejected his instruction. They made no room for God in their lives. See, the destruction of their walls came, up, came by way of the destruction that they first allowed within the walls of their hearts. And let me give you a word of warning. 
and of encouragement. Be real with yourself in this moment and consider your response to God. How do you receive God in your life? How do you hear from God? Are you hearing from God? Are you even open to God's wisdom? Listen, don't tell me, yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I'll go where you go. But you don't do what his word says. Hard heart. Hard heart. Don't tell me I love God, but you know what? I'll shack up. I'll do what you say, Lord, but we don't. Listen, the truth is that we do it in every area of our lives, even the little ones. I'm guilty of it too. We're all prone to go there. But you see, the destruction of our walls, of our fences, of our boundaries starts with the destruction that we allow by not guarding that place where we are in tune and follow God. If you're struggling with hearing God, my friends, I'm telling you right now. If you find yourself questioning, why isn't God speaking to me? My friends, your walls are breached. They're breached. But today you can start repairing them. You know, back in 1912, there was a ship that everyone thought was unsinkable. It was called the Titanic. As a matter of fact, there was a, there's a quote out there uh, in an old paper where, I forget who this woman was, but she said, this ship is unsinkable. God himself can't sink this ship. And so here's, uh, you guys saw the movie, right? So you think you know what happened with the Titanic. <laughs> it wasn't a love story. <laughs> Listen, they were... The way history records it, they were, number one, they didn't even have lights on, which they should have had when they were out there. But they heard three warnings. The captain of the ship heard three warnings that told them there are glaciers ahead of you. And they ignored it. They ignored it by way of the appearance of the glaciers they saw. They said, ah, that's no big deal. This is the Titanic after all. We can push right through those. Well, You and I know the story. The Titanic sank. See, like the Titanic, what often sinks us isn't the appearance we maintain on the outside. You know, with glaciers, what you usually see is about 10%, they estimate, of the glacier. See, it's what's beneath that'll sink you. It's what's behind in the unseen that'll sink you. And like the Titanic, what often sinks us isn't the appearance we maintain on the outside. It's the unseen things that lie beneath. And in this case, it's the unseen things in life that we keep behind our fences, that we hide and lead us to ignore God. I'm encouraging you to be transparent with God today, not with me. Don't shout yourself out here, but open your heart to God. And so I want us to look for the next couple of moments that we have to God's word. And let's learn this morning from God's word in order to avoid the breaching, the breaking down of our walls as we tend to our side of the fence. The first thing I want to leave you with here is that when you exclude God from your life, 
you include the enemy. I'm going to say that again. When you exclude God from your life, you include the enemy. Right? To reject God is to accept the works of Satan. To reject the goodness of God is to embrace evil. To turn away from God is to turn to a destroyer. We got to get that picture, ladies and gentlemen. Right? The scriptures make clear that God sent word to his people through these messengers again and again. But they mocked them. They mocked them. Listen, they despised the words that God was speaking to them. To despise God's word has nothing to do with emotion. It just simply means I'll set it aside. I'll cast it off. Here's a good question. When's the last time you opened your Bible? Don't answer that for me. Answer that for you. See, we got to be honest with ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. We got to be very honest before God because God sees it all. And here's the thing. He's not condemning us. If anything, he's drawing us to him. See, God sheds, lights on, sheds the light on things not to hurt us, not to harm us, not to beat us up, but to show us what he already sees so that we can say, okay, God, I get it. And he's not asking you for a pity party. He's not asking you for, for a crying fit. He's not asking you to come and bow at an altar and cry. He's simply saying, turn around. Amen. That's what repentance is. Repentance has nothing to do with emotion. It has nothing to do with, God, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. Repentance is simply get up, turn around, and go the other direction. It's not that complicated. So don't let the enemy condemn you, and don't let anyone condemn you either. Get up, turn around, and go where God is taking you today. But they despised his words. They scoffed at them. And while the scriptures clearly tell us that God allowed the Babylonians to come against them, we have to be clear that God was not the cause of their destruction. I just got to address that because for some of us we go, yeah, but God is the one who brought the Babylonians to them. No, no, you got to understand that while that, that God was righteously judging them. Let me tell you what I mean. The people of Israel under that time frame, in that era, were under the dispensation of the law. Now, I'll give you a quick, just some quick facts. The book of Exodus reveals that there came a time where Moses said, hey, they, they said to Moses, Moses, you talk to God. We don't want to hear from God. We don't want to go before God. You, you do that, and you just tell us what he says. And whatever he says to you, we are well able to do is what the Hebrew says. It was arrogance. And so God said, okay, here's the law. Follow the law. And based on this law, you'll get your results. And they said, we can do that. So let me give you an example of that. I want you to imagine that I walk up to your house and I kick down your door. Right? I go through it with a sledgehammer. I break into your house. I destroy everything in your home. And I take your most valuable possessions. What are you going to do? I can guarantee you. And I go, oh, bless Pastor Jose. I love him. That's not what you're going to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to pick up the phone. Well, I hope this is what you're going to do, right? But let's just keep it clean. You're going to pick up the phone. You're going to call the police, right? You're going to show them the camera recording and, and with the expectation of what? 
not only did I get arrested, but then I'm held accountable. Did I have to pay restitution, right? I'm probably going to do some time for it. My point with that is this. According to the laws of this land, that's justice. So you didn't do it to me. Who really did it to himself? Me, right? So get this picture. This is the dispensation that they were under. The law said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. You shall put no other gods before me, right? You, you, you shall, uh, 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 you know, uh, do what's right. Don't kill. Don't steal. All these other things. And these people were hard-hearted people. And so they were reaping the results according to what they agreed to. So God wasn't being unjust. That was their deal. This was their results. And so while God was righteously justing, uh, 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 judging them, it's important that, uh, that we understand that this was a result of their choice to exclude God's decrees. To turn away from God, from his multiple warnings, from his extended mercy towards them, which they rejected again and again. And what they failed to realize that was that the destruction that they suffered did not happen that day when the walls were breached. It actually happened beforehand by way of the door that they closed to God and the one that they opened to Satan. My pastor used to put it this way. Oh, if the devil's... Up your back, how do you get there? <laughs> right? See, when you, so, so, so I want you to consider something about including God. Jesus puts it this way in John 10, starting at verse 7. He says, it says, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. He's saying, I am the door. I'm the fence. He says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, when you open the door to Christ in your life, not only do you have strong fences... You also raise a strong defense. My friends, if you're a follower of Christ, every single day of your life, you have entry into a life that can be defined by strong fences. You can live in the goodness and the safety and the protection and the provision in the blessing of God. Listen, when you walk away from God, you're still blessed. As a matter of fact, you can't even walk away from him. You can turn from him, but he's still there with you. But you will weaken your defenses in life because by turning from him, by doing it your way, by saying, yeah, you know, God's word, yeah, yeah, you know, that's too hard for me. Or, you know, I'm not much of a reader. It's excuses. Let's call it what it is. Let's be honest. And if the shoe fits, please change it. Don't wear it. Change it. It's excuses. See, according to the words of Jesus, there is a danger when our lives are not defined by borders that are built by God. Because we allow a thief, a killer, and a destroyer into our lives. Now, here's what I know about you. 
you are very smart people. You would never put a sign out in front of your lawn and say, thieves, killers, and anyone that wants to destroy us are welcome here. But that's what we do when we exclude God. We include the enemy. We can't afford to do that, ladies and gentlemen. We can't afford to do that. When your fences exclude the voice of God and a reliance upon him, your defenses are non-existent <laughs> because you leave an open invitation to the lies of Satan and the havoc they wreck because you have granted permission for them to remain in your life. You know, for eons, history, as far as we know it, there's always been something that has been done. It's called propaganda. And one of the golden rules to propaganda is this. It still prevails even today. We're seeing it today. It's apparent. One of the golden rules to propaganda is this, that if you tell a lie big enough, long enough, and you keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Don't fall for the lies of the enemy. But you know what? None of us wants to fall for them. But if we don't build strong fences with God, we will. So include God. The second thing I want to leave you with here is that your fence is your responsibility. Everybody give that a hand clap. How exciting is that? It's my responsibility. Proverbs 24 tells us that the man with the broken stone walls was a sluggard and he had no sense. Listen, he was lazy. The unfortunate reality due to false teaching in the body of Christ, it propagates this, this lie that tells us, just wait for God to fix your life. Just keep turning to God and let him fix the details in you. Can I tell you, God did everything he was going to do in you, in your spirit. But what happens in your soul is partially your responsibility because you have to renew your mind. So, if you're waiting on God, or you're waiting on someone to tend to your life, my friend, let me tell you, the reality is, it's why you're hurting. So, for example, let's, let, 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 let's be practical about this. I want you to think about this. Isn't it true, let's just talk about our homes, right? Isn't it true that your home does not clean itself, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if you walked in every day and your home cleaned itself? That would be great, right? Isn't it true that your lawn doesn't tend to itself, right? Isn't it true that, let's go a little bit deeper. Isn't it true that your kids don't raise themselves? That your marriage doesn't work by itself. That it requires work. Isn't it true that your business does not flourish without your leadership? Isn't it true that your relationships don't work if you're not doing much relating? 
See, my point with that is simply this, is that if you stand by and wait for good results without taking responsibility for what you have before you in life, we've got to get this understanding. We are stewards of the lives that we have. And according to the scriptures, there will come the day where we will give account and we will do like the wise stewards who said, Lord, you gave me this and I invested it, I applied it, I did it, I learned, I grew, and here's what's yours, Lord. Or we can be like the wicked and lazy steward, is what the scripture says, who says, Lord, you gave me this, but you know, I was just afraid to do it. And so I just dug it up and I did nothing with it, but here it is. Scripture says that he tells that servant, you wicked and lazy servant. Mm -mm. We're responsible. We're responsible. So if you stand by and wait for good results without taking responsibility uh, for what you have before you in life, it will become overwhelming. Problems will develop and you will reap a home, a life in ruins. Let me, let me show you something from the scriptures about what we're supposed to do in terms of our responsibility. Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 is a beautiful depiction of what we have in Christ. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Man, yes, I want that in, within me so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Yes, I want to know Christ there in my heart. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Yes, I want to grow. I want to be established in God's love may have power. Yes, I want power to, together with all the Lord's holy people. Watch this. Now it gets a little hairy. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It gets a little bit more hairier. To know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Watch this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Yes, God, do that in my life according to his power that is at work within us. I want to point something out to you here. God has truly done an immensely great work in you. Stop looking for it out here. Some of us, we're still looking in the mirror going, I don't see the change. And you know why you're not seeing it? Because you haven't even begun to take a grasp. You haven't begun the process of knowing who you are in Christ. See, that's not God's responsibility. He did his part. He's working within us. But it is our responsibility to take a hold, to pursue Stop calling people and asking them to pray for you when you don't even pray for yourself. You know I love you, right? You know I love you, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. Because I've been there. I've lived that. I know what it is to be there. I know what it is to be there. As a matter of fact, sometimes I go there. I'm going to be straight up with you. See, it's our responsibility. And when you understand that it's your responsibility, that does something great for you because you understand that God is giving you what you can't handle. The fact that you're called, that we're called to grasp 
This great love of God, this understanding, this knowledge of who we are in Christ is an indication that God has deemed us capable and equipped to do it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, speaking to this point, says this. It says, so then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, to cultivate it, to bring it to full effect, to actively pursue spiritual maturity. With awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, watch this, but it is God who is effectively, effectively at working you both to will and to work. Watch what he's doing with this work. He's strengthening, energizing, and creating in us the longing and the ability, listen, to fulfill your purpose. For his good pleasure. God is working. His power is there. His word is there. His spirit is leading and guiding. The truth is being revealed. You're hearing it right now. It's, it's all present. But you and I have to fulfill the purpose. And to do that, the scripture says, we have to work out our salvation. That term work out is a verb that carries the same sense of working something until it comes to fulfillment or maturity. Let me give you an example of this. Let's put that picture up real quick. This guy right here was always in this guy. He was always there. But you know how this guy, this guy became this guy outwardly? This guy began to work what he already had. He began to press. He began to push. He began to exercise. He dared to believe that he could do more than what his physical capabilities told him. And as he pushed and he pressed and he used his God-given ability, all of a sudden he began to grow. There was strength gains. There's greater ability that is realized. Listen, I encourage you to stop waiting on God. <laughs> and waiting on people to fix your life, to fix your fences. And to lend you their efforts so that you can succeed. I want to encourage you instead to take responsibility with God's ability to live the life that he has already declared is yours and mine. Now, I know that this is uncomfortable, but you know what? Maturity is uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. So welcome to the club. We're all growing. The next point I want to leave you with here is that broken fences begin with small breaks. You know, the sluggard is a depiction of what happens when we allow the ruin of our walls to begin by the small little areas of our lives that we allow breakage. Broken fences do not start off broken. What we see from this sluggard is that he had land. 
he built a stone wall. He had a home, right? This sluggard once lived with promise, right? He built a wall for protection, to beautify, right? This tells us that this man established a home with the intent of protecting it, beautifying it, and one that probably had many resources because back in those days, it wasn't just anyone who could build, build stone walls and have all this land. My point here is that this man allowed areas that appeared small in his life to grow out of control by his laziness to address them. Notice that the sluggard, the scripture says, allowed thorns to overtake the land within his fences. You know, thorns come with the appearance of beauty. Oh my God, those roses are so beautiful. I feel so special. Right? They present roses that entice us by their smell, their various colors, their beauty, but as you draw near and you attempt to grab them in bunches, they inflict pain by way of the thorns that prick you. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about thorns in the parable of the sower who sows seed. Mark 4, 18 and 19, he says this, Still others like seed, among, like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Hmm. I want you to consider thorns in our lives. They are things that bring brokenness to our fences by way of worry, by way of promise of wealth, and the produce of Gains that we hope to aspire and achieve by way of our great desires. The scripture says that they choke the life that God instills in our lives by way of his word. So question, for personal reflection, do you feel overly busy? Are you chasing money and possessions? Do you live your todays with a worry about tomorrow regularly? Are you filled with an insatiable desire for more, more, more? More, 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 more. Got to keep up with the Joneses. You never know if you have enough. If that's you, the reality is that you have small cracks in your fences that eventually will develop into greater breaks in your life. So what should we do? Listen to Jesus' use of fruit, how he, how he, what he tells us in Matthew 7, 16. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Simply consider what you're actively pursuing and endeavoring upon to take hold of in your life. And ask yourself, is it producing fruit or is it pricking me? answer is pretty clear, right? If it's entangling and choking the promise that your life holds, if it's, if it's pricking you and taking the life out of your passion for God and, and, and the word of God and the direction of God and intimacy with God, 
It's a thorn. No matter how good it looks, no matter how good it feels, it can seem good, it could look good, it could be good, but it's not God. The last point I want to leave you with here is this. Your fences can house gardens or house weeds. It's up to you. I'm going to say that again. Your fences can house gardens or house weeds. It's up to you. Again, the sluggard, like the people of Israel, suffered loss within his walls by way of his negligence. There were little things happening in his life that led to decay in every area of his life. The people of Israel grew cold towards God as they began to intermingle with people that slowly sucked the life out of their devotion for the things of God. The sluggard's fields became overgrown by weeds that sucked the life out of the fruit-bearing seed in his lands. You know, a weed is defined as a plant that is competitive. It's persistent. It's pernicious. And it is one that tends to overgrow and choke out more desirable plants. But it's by way of permission of its presence. See, the weed does not literally choke out the plants around it. You know what a weed does? It spreads its roots and establishes its permanency by taking in all the life-giving nutrients in its environment and thereby taking away those same nutrients from the plants among it. So let me speak to you, child of God, as we come to a close here. As a child of God, you exist in a life-giving environment provision through God's people. That's the environment that you live in. That's the environment that you have available to you day in and day out. Please don't leave here simply just walking out like I went to church but you missed the church by just rushing by everybody. The church is not a building. The church is a people. I'm going to tell you this right now. My, my wife was sharing, you know, the loss of her brother, my brother-in-law. And, and that was difficult, man. But can I tell you, can I tell you, man, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. Can I tell you that the embrace of God was so prevalent throughout this whole process. But guess where it happened? Among you. I'm so sick and tired of food deliveries in my house. Like, I don't want any more food. Like, don't bring any more food. I'm sorry. That was me complaining. No, but let me tell you, the love of God through his people. Guys, we are family. We are family, whether this is your first time or your millionth time, whether you just started coming here or you've been here from day one. We are family. We are one. And let me tell you, man, when you have family, what it does is it nurtures you. But sometimes we forsake the nutrients, the environment that God provides us. You know how we do that? We allow people and we allow things 
to begin to establish their roots in our lives. And they become a permanent part of our lives by association, by relationship, by their influence, by their words. And here you are still loving God, but all of a sudden, it just becomes harder and harder and harder to have a relationship with God. You know why? Because you've allowed weeds within your fences. Listen to what the scripture says, and this is speaking about weeds that are Christians. Oh yeah, that happens too. Titus 3, 9, and 11, and I close with this, says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. Because there are, these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, watch this, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Now, this is instruction that was addressed to matters that were happening amongst the body. People that were creating contentions and divisions, they wanted to talk about theology, and they wanted to bring their own ideas, and it was creating division. And if God told them, listen, have nothing to do with them, what do you think God has to tell us about people that suck the life out of our personal relationship with God? Can I tell you what you do with a weed? You either pull it out or kill it. There's no other option. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.